0: Good evening, Newark family, and welcome back once again to our Thursday evening broadcast. I hope that you've been having a good week as you've been able to join with us this week as we're talking about service and community. And so I have the pleasure of being the last one to present our broadcast this week on this topic. And tonight specifically, I'm going to talk about the idea of reaching out. But before I do that, let's open with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to come together once again as a family. And although we have endeavored and persevered and continue in this digital format, we are thankful that we can still meet, that we can still learn together, that although all of the platform has changed and our environment is different, we are still united as a church family and we can be in community together. I pray that you speak tonight and that we are open and receptive to your word and what you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of reaching out and this idea of community and being together, I just want to say, on behalf of, of me personally, I am extremely grateful to how many of you have stayed faithful to our broadcast. I am encouraged by the different things i've heard from some of you as we continue to grow together and if you've been connected with us over the last four or five months as we've done this let's see actually we're headed towards six months now excuse me in these broadcasts i want you to know that it has been a challenging time for all of us but you've been supportive of the pastoral team and we're very thankful for that And I feel that God is using this as a time that we can all put down roots and we can learn and we can grow together and we can grow closer to each other and closer to God, even though we're challenged to do it in a different format. So this week, we've been talking about the idea of service and we've been talking about the idea of community. And so tonight, I'm going to focus specifically on community. It has a little bit of service element to it. But this idea of community and how we're connected together and so i'm talking about the body of believers and in our community how important it is that we reach out to each other and that we don't try to do everything alone there is a certain character that has appeared a couple times on our broadcasts. i even met him in one of the previous broadcasts this little annoying obnoxious sock puppet this serpent who likes to show up and brag about the different kinds of lies and the different kinds of things he does to trick Christians and make them stumble and fall. And I believe that one of the things that he tries to do is that he keeps us separated, thinking that somehow we serve God in isolation or that we do things alone, and that at times when we struggle, when we're down, when we need encouragement, that we stay separated from the rest of the body and that we're not reaching out to each other. So I want to combat that just a little bit tonight, and I want you to think about other ways to handle times when you're feeling low, when you need help, when you need encouragement, when you need someone to pray with, because we all struggle with this and we all face this at different times. I want to encourage all of you that you are part of a body of believers, You're part of the body of Christ and you're part of this local church family, this local congregation. And that we want you to reach out in times when you need encouragement, when you need support, when you've got questions, when you need help with something, when you're feeling low, when you're feeling down. Don't be alone. Don't be isolated. You need to reach out. So let's look at a few biblical ideas, and I'm gonna hit some high-level concepts here. I was thinking and praying about what I was gonna say in this message, and the Lord reminded me of Jacob, the the patriarch Jacob from the Old Testament. And what's interesting about his life is we watch this redemptive arc as Jacob starts as this deceiver, he starts as a liar, He's a trickster. And so he ends up having to flee for his life after he's conned his brother out of his birthright and he's lied to his father. And so he runs off to a distant far land and he works for his uncle Laban. And then I'm not gonna recount the whole life of Jacob. You know this and how God works with him. And eventually Jacob makes his way back to this promised land. God has changed his name to Israel. He now has 12 sons and a daughter, and on and on it goes, and this is the birth of the different tribes of the nation of Israel. And God blesses Jacob in a mighty way and uses his life, and it's an incredible story from where he started to where he ends at the end of his life. However, as incredible as that story is, when I was praying about this idea of reaching out, God reminded me of his story. And there's something that's really if I could say it this way, fundamentally broken about Jacob's journey. Unfortunately, Jacob, for all that God blessed him and did, Jacob was very much alone through all of his life. Now hear me out, because he was surrounded by people, and I think he makes a great illustration of how we should not be as a community of believers. Jacob has two wives and two concubines. Jacob has 13 children. Jacob has servants. Jacob has grandchildren and probably great-grandchildren by the end of his life, and there's this whole huge family complex that surrounds him. He's abundantly wealthy. God has changed his name and blessed him beyond measure. But all throughout his life, from beginning to end, you watch Jacob as he does everything alone. Jacob deceives, and he tricks his way, and then his mother helps him trick his father, But then he leaves and he goes to his uncle Laban. And while he's living with people, he's still trying to look out for himself. And he does it alone. When he gets married, he gets tricked back, but he's the trickster. When he gets married the second time, now he finally has the wife that he wants, but his Two wives are fighting with each other, and then his concubines are fighting with each other, and there's this constant family strife. I don't have time to get into it tonight. Go do a slow read of the like of Jacob, and you'll see his family is extremely dysfunctional. God blesses him and uses him. But over and over throughout his lifetime, Jacob keeps trying to fix things by himself. Jacob keeps doing things alone. And although he is surrounded by a community of people, Jacob all throughout his lifetime does things alone and he suffers alone and he's embarrassed alone and he's shamed alone and he grieves alone and on and on and on it goes. And Jacob never really got the idea of community, I believe, when you look at his story closely, surrounded by people, but yet in times of difficulty, still doing everything alone and not reaching out for help. All right, so there's Jacob. Let's contrast him with a different individual, the Apostle Paul. Now, we tend to talk about the Apostle Paul, and we like to brag on him and talk about how amazing he was and what he did for the kingdom of God and how his life played out and all the incredible things he did on his missionary journeys. But if you go back and you do a slow read of the book of Acts, other than spending time away separated away drawing close to God when Barnabas goes to get Saul and bring him back to Antioch from that point forward Saul is never alone go back and read it for itself we think of Paul going to do all these great things but he had missionary partners and he didn't travel alone In fact, everything he did was in the company of other people, and he was constantly reaching out. Not only was he surrounded by people, but he was in a community of people. Paul had traveling companions. Specifically, we talk about Barnabas and then Silas. But they're not the only ones. It's not like it was a duo who went out. It was with a whole team of people. And you see him refer to his companions throughout his letter, plural. Companions, plural, not companion. We see his good friend Luke, the medical doctor, who at times had to help him with his medical needs and who traveled with him. We see Paul, who trains at least specifically two young, as he put it, sons in the gospel, Timothy and Titus. We see Paul, who refers to his co-laborers. And you've got Aquila, and you've got Priscilla, and you've got Apollos, that's just the name of few, that are mentioned in his letters. And he considered these people who work together with him. Sometimes they were with him in one location. Sometimes he's working in one city with his team, and they're working in another area with their people, but yet he still considered them part of the same group of people. We see that Paul has no problem receiving financial support from people who send gifts and help when he's in jail and when he's traveling, he was not alone. We see that the apostle Paul did not have any trouble reaching out to a community of believer on behalf of other believers. In fact, if you go read 2 Corinthians chapter eight, that whole chapter is Paul writing to the Corinthian church to ask them to take up an offering to help other churches that are in desperate need of financial support because of a severe famine that's hit them. Paul doesn't have a problem reaching out to people for support and help. Paul doesn't have a problem receiving help himself. And he writes in many of his letters to thank people for their service. And this is not to mention in almost every single letter, all of the people that he names, either in his opening or his closing thoughts. And he says, "Sends my greetings to so-and-so. And I think on fond memories and I pray for you often when I think of so-and-so. Go read Romans 16. It's a huge list of people. Go read any of the other epistles that he wrote, and he names all these people that he stayed with, that he traveled with, that helped him, that prayed with him, that ate with him, that were his co-laborers that started different missionary um, fields. I should say they opened new churches, house churches with him from city to city. We think of Paul, if we're not careful, as like this giant monolithic New Testament character who helped birth the church, but it's a myth. That's not real yes paul is at the center of a lot of this activity yes paul is the one writing these letters but he didn't do it alone he never did ministry alone paul is constantly surrounded by people and in fact go do a slow read of his letters and often what you find is he used the technical term is called an amanuensis Today, we think of them kind of like a clerk or a secretary. Paul would dictate his letters and somebody else would actually write the letter and help him edit it and format it and put it together. And then Paul would send someone else out to deliver the letter and read the letter to the local church on his behalf. Nothing in Paul's ministry is alone. Over and over and over, if we just slow down and look at it, this mythical, giant, freestanding, alone individual in the church was not alone. He had a huge team of people who helped him. He publicly thanked those people for help quite often. And so we see Jacob, who was highly favored and blessed by God, but who struggled through his whole life and spent most of that time trying to handle everything by himself alone, not reaching out in support in contrast we see paul in the new testament who also struggled but it was for the work of the ministry and through ups and downs he's not alone and yes i can point you to a few examples in acts where for a time he might have been alone or he might have been in prison in between people coming to visit him or he went ahead to one city and was waiting for people to catch up with him but his ministry was not alone His lifestyle was not alone. He did things in service and community. And when needed, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is an example of this, he had no problem reaching out to others for help. None whatsoever. That's an example that we should look to. All right, so I've given you an Old Testament example and a New Testament example. Now let me turn my attention to something else completely different but still connected with this. I had the chance recently to go visit some family in california and while we were in california we took one afternoon and we went to mere woods which is a national park and it's known for its giant redwoods and while i'm going to talk through this for the next part i'm hoping that caleb can put up a few of the pictures that we took just on our cell phones while we were walking through this national park with these giant trees if you're not familiar with the giant redwoods that are on the coast of california some of these trees reach upwards of over three Hundred feet tall. We're talking about a tree that's over 30 stories tall. It is amazing to look at these trees. Some of them have fallen down over time and they've got them preserved and they've counted the rings and they know because they can count the rings on the tree that some of these trees have literally lived for more than 2,000 years. We walked through a forest that, get this, was already a forest. At the time that Jesus Christ walked the earth in Israel, it's mind-blowing to think how massive these trees are, how big around these trees are, and how old they are. It's incredibly breathtaking. But you know what's even more fascinating about these redwoods? You would think that a tree that's over 300 feet tall would have some huge, deep, strong root structure. You may be surprised to learn that average redwood, these huge giant trees, have roots that, get this, are only five feet deep. That's right. You heard me. Five feet deep. The root structures on a tree that's 300 feet tall go down into the ground shorter than the height that I am. Now, How on earth can a tree that's over 300 feet tall, thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds, you know, 10 to 15 feet in diameter, and a couple thousand years old, how can it survive with roots that are only five feet deep? Because although the redwood only puts down roots that are five, maybe six feet deep, those same root structures reach out horizontally for up to a 100 feet radiating out of the tree and you don't find these solitary trees they don't grow alone they grow in groves and so what happens is all of these massive redwoods put down their roots and they spread their roots out sometimes up to a hundred feet out in radius from the tree trunk and they purposely reach out to the other redwoods and they fuse their roots together and just five to six feet under the surface Of the ground is a massive network of roots that are all fused and intertwined together and these trees reach out to each other and they interlock and now you have a whole grove of these giant redwoods that are connected and even though the roots are only five or six feet deep Because they are connected together and all their roots interlock, they are incredibly strong and they don't fall over. And not only do they not fall over, they can last for thousands of years and they can withstand hurricane force winds. And they don't blow over because they reach out and they're connected together. So learn a lesson from the scriptures and learn a lesson from nature. God has not designed for you to be alone. The church body does not work in isolation. He wants us to be in community to each other, and he wants us to reach out to each other. In good times and in bad, in times when things are joyful, in times when things are sorrowful, in times of plenty and in times of need, I beg you, church family, don't go through life alone. Don't just attend our church. Don't just come to our digital gatherings. And when we resume in person, don't just come to our church services and be surrounded by people and yet still be isolated because you're not reaching out. Don't live a life like Jacob who had a huge family and who was highly blessed by God but kept trying to solve all of his problems on his own. That was not God's intention. That's not his design. Take a lesson from the Apostle Paul who lived in community with many people and he had problem, He had no problems, I should say, reaching out and both to offer help and to receive help. And take a lesson from God's nature, these majestic, massive redwood trees that are incredibly large. And yet, although they have a shallow root structure, they have a wide root structure that has reached out and fused with all of these other roots. And these trees, when they connect together, are incredibly strong. And now before I close, I wanna share another thought And I'm going to give full credit for this because it's not my thought. During this time, I've been working with some of our other developing leaders, and I was talking about this broadcast that was coming up with Kurt Douglas. And so he emailed me some thoughts I asked him to about reaching out. And he took a little bit of a different approach, which is good than where I went. And he was thinking about you as the individual reaching out to someone in need. And so I want to read just a few of his thoughts. Kurt Douglas says... When I think about reaching out to each other, immediately what comes to mind is how, reach it, how Jesus was the one who reached out to us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, and this is a beautiful verse we should all learn. I'm reading out a New Living Translation. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. This God who is so rich in mercy and who loved us so much is the one who reached out to us first. And once we understand this, this should be the foundation upon which we should carry out our ministry of service to each other. Remember, God reached out to us first and he's so rich in mercy and he loves us so much. That should be the basis for how we reach out to other people. We should endeavor to reach out to all of our brothers and sisters, and if possible, include those who have fallen away. And this is often something we overlook. People who, for one reason or another, due to trauma, the cares of life, distractions, some hurt or pain, they've ended up falling away and they're no longer connected to a church community. And Kurt, he's reminding us that we should be reaching out to them as well. He brings up the scripture from Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and hope. God's desire is that none of us come to disaster. He has a future and a hope for all of us. And sometimes as we work in the body of Christ, as we serve others, as we live in community, we need to reach out to those around us who may be falling away. And so in order to accomplish this, as we reach out, especially those who are falling away, in order to accomplish this, it requires a relationship, it requires commitment, and it requires action on our part. Sometimes the person who needs to reach out because they're in need or hurting is not doing it. And when you recognize their need or their hurt, when you see them slipping away, maybe they've been gone for a while, you be the one who does the reaching out. Matthew 18 Verses 12 through 14 says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the ninety-nine that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. That's Jesus reminding us that it's the Heavenly Father's will that no one fall away. And so this week, as we close out this theme of service and community, I'm talking about reaching out. And Kurt had a few thoughts to share about reaching out. Reach out when you need help. Don't be like Jacob. Be like the Apostle Paul. And in good times and healthy times of strength for you, when you see your brothers and sisters and they are in need of help, and yet you see that they're not reaching out. And maybe it's someone who's fallen away. You be the one to reach out to them and go serve them. God bless you, Newark family. I hope you're all doing well. I look forward to the time when we can get back together. But stay strong. Stay connected together like those redwood tree roots. Reach out to each other when you need help. Stay in community. We'll get through this together. God bless you. Have a good night.